the dead deer's voice. Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and on today's episode, we are joined by a local 573 guy, Luke Mitchell. Luke is a pretty diverse guy when it comes to the hunting industry. He has been a part of Trained Assassins and Realtree, and he's filmed a lot for other professionals in the hunting industry. But recently, he has moved to doing more real estate for Realtree, and uh, we had the fortune to get him on and talk about his spot and stalk mule deer hunt in New Mexico that just occurred a few weeks ago. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the strategies that led to him being successful and what it's like to spot and stalk mule deer in New Mexico. So I hope you guys enjoy, and if you've been enjoying these episodes, please subscribe to the channel and uh, you know give us a five-star review. Let us know if you're enjoying these episodes, and uh, we really appreciate it. We do appreciate all the support we've gotten thus far, and we'll go ahead and jump into this episode. All right, we're rolling, fellas, and uh, we are blessed to have our guest Luke Mitchell on today. We're going to be talking about his trip down to New Mexico, spot and stalk, mule deer hunting. Now, if you guys hear some static in the background, that's that's what's keeping us warm on this bitterly cold evening tonight. But uh, Luke, thanks for coming, man. Um, really happy and psyched. We've been really trying to get this one going for a while we now. Have, man. And, Thank uh, you all for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, I kind of jumped jumped ahead. I'm the host, Stephen Ebers. Casey Kimmer here. And we got our guest, which we've already introduced, Luke. <laughs> uh, Luke, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit, um, before we get into some things, who you are and your passion for hunting and what you've been involved with. All right. I live in Perry, Missouri. Uh, been in the hunting industry since about 2014. I was a pipe welder before then. Um, ran around with uh, a TV show on the Sportsman t- uh, Channel called Trained Assassins um, from you know 14 to 20, and then I ended up doing a show with Realtree on the Realtree 365 app. Been doing that for a couple years, and then now I've taken a step away from that. Um, not a full. I didn't step fully away from it, but now I'm going to get into you know more of the real estate. So I've had my license for a year. Um, got a lot of passion for land and you know talking to people and you know it's been i've really enjoyed it so um man hunted all over the country met some incredible people done some things you know that i never could have done you know if it wasn't for that opportunity so uh, i'm thankful for that but yeah man just love to hunt i mean i live and breathe it i'm really surprised my wife's still with me because i literally <laughs> hunt, i literally hunt every day oh, i mean <laughs> I, I wake up in the morning i go scout when I get done doing that, I go home, spend time with them, and an hour before dark, I get in the truck, go scout again. Do it every day. Every day. Hey, so I love it. I'm ate up awesome. with it. I love it. Consistency, consistency pays off for you, man. Yeah. I, you had a great buck. Um, I think was that early November that yeah. you arrowed that, that real good buck? Yeah, November 9th. Yep. I was after him too, man. I had him at 51 night. Didn't feel comfortable with the shot. Um, Tyler's been on your show before, and and uh, I, me and him, been talking back and forth. And I'm like, man, I passed him. He's heading over your way. Sent me a trail camera picture like a couple hours later. Here he is. And then you know, I killed him not very long after that. So yeah, it was, 
It was a fluke. I ain't even gonna lie, fellas. I was on my phone. I was on TikTok, swiping, checking oh, things man. out, you know. And I was bored. Ain't seen a deer all morning. And I looked up, and he was right there. And oh, man. I hit the grunt call. I ain't. There's another thing I won't lie about either. I grunted twice. He turned and looked at me. I'll never forget it. And I had it on video, not real good video. Uh, but when he turned, I think I was so nervous because I knew it was him. I like the nervousness in my, I, I actually did like a little bit, just like a little tending grunt. And I'd be dang if he didn't turn and come right downwind. And I shot him at 25 yards and, you know, I freaked out. I mean, I, I put a post on Facebook, man. If I, if anybody was within a half mile or a mile from me, I'm sorry, I probably ruined your hunt. Cause I freaked plum out. It was almost as bad as that Luke Bryan reaction. Oh yeah. It was. Is he down? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't down? ask anybody who was down cause I was self filming, but man, I tell you, I freaked out. I lost, I lost it lost it so i love it hey listen if you're not freaking out like that every time then uh something something wrong with you in my opinion if it had been a 140 i'd still done the same thing i I just love killing deer man heck yeah love it yeah and so i you know bringing it back to kind of what you've been involved with you know it i bet it's been real special for you to to meet all these people and get to see what it's like kind of working in the outdoor industry but it sounds like you found your passion maybe your niche in real estate yep and how long you been doing that for now? A little over a year now. So I mean, I think you know, my passion was filming, and and hunting. And I mean, I I traveled all over the country. We were hunting. You know, I would I would do turkey season with Avian X or Eddie Salter's Turkey Man. I would do those two shows in the spring, and then I would do Trained Assassins in the fall. And you know, we were probably doing thirty five states a year. You know, hunting, and you know, we were all over the place. And then. I got to a point in my life where, you know, I love it, but you kind of, when you sit in tree stands all day, like, I'm not saying it took it away from me because I still get excited. I love hunting. Um, I love filming. I love being with the guys. But I knew I knew if I was going to make the next step to buy my farm or a farm that I would like to buy or, you know, just goals. I set goals in life like, you know, for real estate. I set a goal last year, and I've surpassed that. And I whatever I did last year, I want to double or triple it this year. So, um Yes, my passion in real estate, I, it it sparked off of meeting people throughout the country, you know, to see, because one of my good friends is a real estate agent, and he does over $50 million a year in, in sales, Jeez. and I've been in a tree with him a lot, so when he talks, I listen, you know, and, and that kind of gave me a passion, because I seen what he could do, you know, and it's not all about money, I mean, I've built connections all over the country with people, and I mean, money could never, you know, you couldn't put, so... Real estate's just that added, you know, I love, I, I don't know. We've been, we talked about it earlier, man. It's just, it's a passion that I love and, and it's, it's where I need to be. I, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. And I don't think a lot of people, especially the average hunter that isn't in the industry knows exactly what you're talking about when you say, man, I've been in a tree every single day. They, they might not understand where you're coming from yeah. when you say, well, why would you ever quit that to go do real estate? Yeah. We're not saying you quit, but I just mean, I took why would a, you ever take a step, step back, back and, you know, start doing real estate instead of that? I if, if anybody's wanting to get into it, you know, listening here, younger guys, anything, I, w- I would hook them up in a heartbeat. I mean, I would never, ever, you know, say that, oh, man, I wish I'd have never done it. Because, I mean, I loved it. Like, sitting in a tree, when I say sitting in a tree every day, I would go from one state hunting six or seven days in a row Typically, especially late October through November, every day, daylight to dark, you know, and, and what I did when I produced the show, I had another guy with me or a freelance guy, whatever the case may be. And 
we'd wake up probably 4, 4.30 in the morning. You'd, get, you'd grab your sandwich bag. Nine times out of ten, I was out of snacks by 9.30, so that made, this, <laughs> that made the sit really long. And then we'd sit all day, and if you killed a deer, you're spending hours doing that, you know, sponsor photos, you know, content for that. And if not, if you didn't kill one, you go back and eat with everybody, and then you're out for hours shooting time lapses, yeah. you know, well, night time lapses just to build the show. Kind of yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, the hunting industry and, and everything that goes into it, I never realized what it took to build episodes until I started doing it. And it, it's it's a grind, but it's also rewarding. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. A lot so. of work goes into a 30-minute episode. Oh, hours and hours, and <laughs> yeah, hours of footage. It's unbelievable. Like, it's so – like, when one of my buddies is a phenomenal editor, and when I see what I shot and what he turned it into, it's like – how do you even do that? Right, you know, right. it, it takes it takes a lot of skill, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's and you better not mess up because <laughs> you won't be in that in that game very long if you mess yeah. up and don't get the shot. So yeah, well, I've got a turkey video coming out here pretty soon. Luckily, it was just a buddy, and I don't have any pressure. But <laughs> right. uh, you know, we'll we'll let you all see the video before I spill the beans. But, <laughs> it happens. Uh, it happens. Um, has the real estate thing kind of you know, freed up some time for you, get to spend more time with friends and family. And it, it definitely has. I mean, I, when I talk to people that call me about land and all that, listen, I work seven days a week. I mean, I, I guess I have a lot more free time and I can create, you know, I can block stuff out when I have family things like right now, we've been going to the baby doctor and, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, but as far as hunting, like, most of the people that I deal with, you know, in the land business and things like that, and I do sell some houses with some acreage from time to time, but when I'm in the stand, they'll text me, hey, what are you doing, you know, or, or hey, we need to do this, and they understand. They're hunters too, so they understand that. But as far as, like, having more time, yes, because I'm not traveling the country. And there's nothing better. Like, when I killed that deer that we've been looking at, you know, at home, I mean, I can travel wherever, but killing one at home special. So, yeah, yeah I'm making time – I mean, making time for family and doing all that, I mean, it, it's definitely helped me in the real estate side, you know, be able to be home more than what I was on the road. So Okay. All right. Well, so what inspired this year's trip to, to head to New Mexico and, and go spot and stalk mule deer at the end of December? I've always wanted to kill a mule deer ever since. So, like, I remember it was David Blanton spot and stalk in, in Colorado, and, and this was like, I don't know how many monster bucks there there are now, like twenty five or thirty volumes or something. But it was like it was like volume like two or three. It was early, and he killed a big mule deer, and I'm like, one day I will do that. And so, anyways, I actually went out with the guys a show two years ago and went elk hunting on this ranch. It's in New Mexico. It's fifty two thousand acres, and out there, I mean, you're out there. I mean, it, it's some rough stuff. We killed a three hundred inch bull. And, and then we killed a 330-inch bull out there as well. And after I got in the train and seen what type of mule deer there were and, you know, stuff like that, I was like, I, you know, I could go out there with a rifle and it'd be like grocery shopping. I mean, they're <laughs> everywhere. I mean, everywhere you look, there's a good buck. And, but to, but it, it's awesome. I mean, the place is phenomenal. But to get within, you know, my, I went out there this year with a 55-yard pin. So I got 25, 35, 45, 55 on my bow. It's something I tried different, you know, this year, and I really like it. I went out there expecting to shoot 55 and in. Well, I got out there, and they're like, you don't have a 70, 80-yard pin? I'm, oh, like, I'm like, no, I don't, I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even shoot that far. You know, we don't even do that on a whitetail because they duck so bad. Yeah. 
I learned out day one, you need to have a 70-yard pin. So well, you're already out in the element at that point. So, yeah, you know, unless you were going through, I don't know if the ranch had like an old shed or something. You find some old pins. <laughs> yeah, from I, the site. I ended up when I got back that night. I shot my bow a lot, but it was in the headlights of the truck. Yeah. So and I, I had a pin at, after that, but just the. So these were some guys you knew then already. Yeah, and, and, then, and I'm not going to sit here and lie. I mean, it's it was a it was a hunt that was guided. I mean, it was a guided hunt. Um, I've never really been on any type of hunt like that. I mean, realistically, you know, he was with me and we spotted mule deer together and, and I just needed access to the ground, you know, and, and with, I paid for the hunt. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't and be he-man because I didn't. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it uh, is what it is. But, to, man, it was – I like bow hunting because, like I said, I go out there with a rifle. You shoot four or five hundred yards, you're killing a hundred and eighty plus inch mule deer at first first hour. I mean, it, and, and I'm on not on that ranch. Yes, on that ranch. Yes, I mean, go on anywhere else. I don't know, you know, but on that ranch, it's that good. And so when I went out there, I'm I like a challenge. That's why I'm such a. I mean, I'm sure same way with you guys, big bow hunters. I like the challenge of getting in close, and uh, so that's why I chose to go out there and go bow hunting, and uh, it humbled me really quick. I mean, really quick. First day, I missed a 175 at 70. Missed him by a half inch. If he would have just ducked, I'd have got him, but he wasn't a whitetail. Mule deer just stand there and, like, shoot me, and yeah, he, didn't, I, he didn't duck. I have also been humbled by mule deer, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think, you, you know, you're talking about having a guide. I can tell you firsthand experience. It doesn't matter if you have a guide on a spot and stall coming with a bow or not. He can give you the route. He can tell you everything to do right. If you're coming up on a mule deer with a bow, you make one wrong step, you snap a stick, you kick a rock, that mule deer's out of there. You know, Gone. I mean, that, and there ain't nothing the guide can do to help you. You know, like you said, you had the guide for access to the land. Yep. You know, that's that's basically all, all you had really there, you know. Yeah, he may have helped you spot up a few bucks, but I'm sure you spotted a, a bunch of bucks too. Oh, yourself, my eyes you know? hurt. My, I had right. good binos out there, but my eyes hurt from scouting, <laughs> you know, for glassing so much. It was... But, yeah, like, like you're saying, you know, with the guide and stuff like that, you know, there's so many – not gonna, I might get off subject here a little bit, but you got people that are – such Yeah, well, <laughs> there, there's people that, you know, that bash guides, and there's people that only public land and this and that. I don't care. I, I was hunting. I was having fun. That, that's what I went out there for. And, you know, we, we had a blast. I mean, we set up on the mountain, you know, and it was rough terrain. I mean, crazy rough. A lot of rocks and uh, – I could have sat out there all day, every day. You know, day, and we when we left the camp, we were out there all day. And next time I go out, I, I told him I would like to do like a wall tent um, and get back in there because when you got in the roughest country, where the biggest deer were. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're they're fun. But oh, yeah. the wind, the terrain, and the wind, and that was my biggest thing. Like right before I killed that one that I shot. Um, I was on a huge three by four. I mean, frame just. I mean, when I seen him, I'm like that one i want to go after him and i ended up chasing them deer four miles uh, but i ended up bumping him i got within 45 yards with the closest i was the whole trip and the guy was behind me and he and he pulled up his binos and i don't know if i moved or he moved or what but them does out there because you can't shoot a doe legally in new mexico so those does are how many years old and i mean they were stacked in there with that buck and she she picked us off quick and I couldn't even get a shot. I mean, I was there prepared. You know, I was. I had my release clipped in. I was ready. Had a range on them. Everything stood up. Boom, gone. You know, because 
a mule deer, when they get up and, and they catch your wind and movement, because at that point, the wind, we always worry about our wind, just like whitetail hunting, you, you know, in your face or crosswind or whatever. That wind could switch so quick going up those ravines and everything. That's what happened. It just turned for literally a split second, hit me in the back. I could feel it in the back of my neck, and I'm like, I knew. I knew. It was like, oh, it's man. now or never. And I tried to stop him, and it was just too thick, and I'm not going to throw an arrow just to throw one. Well, before we jump too far ahead Sorry. of how, <laughs> how the hunts were going down in New Mexico, I want to know a little bit of backstory. I know you kind of told us, you know, what inspired you to go back to that cert- certain area, that yep. certain ranch. But uh, what's the tag system there? How were you able to obtain a tag? And, you know, is, is December, January the hot time to go? So the, the unit I was in was actually over the counter. When I, when I was first talking to the guy, I didn't know that. I thought we were getting a landowner's tag, So which it don't matter to me. It's a, it's a piece of paper. I'm legal. I can go hunt. You right. know, so it was over the counter. Um, so out there, the November – is like your main rifle time to go rifle hunt so they put their the ruts in january so like when i went i think it's if i'm not mistaken don't quote me on this but it starts like january 1st and i think it ends the i know for a fact it ends the 15th um so you only have that time that 15 day period to go bow hunt but they are they're getting after it you know so they move the rifle because out there i mean if you see them you can pretty much get on them and kill them with a rifle so they move the rifle season out of the rut it's clear november so i I guess you just get your eyes on them i don't know i've never personally done it i didn't ask a whole lot of questions i was so focused on bow hunting you know but i think it i think it it's you spot them get within close and get a shot but um january new mexico first first couple days january it's so that's the ticket that's 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 when you want to go yeah that's when they're rutting yes full on full rut chasing i mean the buck we won't get too far ahead, but he was lip curling and chasing and doing all that. So, so was, so was this more in the southern half of New Mexico? Yes. So yeah, you, it was southwest. Yes, I, okay. I actually could see the uh, the border blimp. Gotcha. You know, when we were up on the mountain, I could glass kind of like the Goodyear blimp, yeah. but they got a blimp that runs up and down the border, and yeah. we could see it from where we were. So we were just, I, I'm trying to think, uh, so we were south of Silver City. Okay. So it was a. Gosh dang, there's so many deer. <laughs> so many deer. It's just unbelievable. And they just pop up out of nowhere, too. Yeah. You know, you'd be yeah. glass and you're like, oh, there ain't nothing. Take a break. Eat, eat, eat a snack. Drink something. And then you look up and they're like, whoa, they're there. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. It is. I've never got to experience a mule deer rut. And I just, I've, I've heard that it's awesome. I, I know people who have traded in, you know, weeks of November here um, for, you know, certain areas of the West when the mule deer are also running in November to be out there, you know, instead. Yep. They, I don't know. It's a, it'd be, I'm sure I'll experience it one day. But, I hope you, yeah, I hope everyone can. And so you said you got this tag over the counter? Yes. So, um, I mean, pretty much anybody that wants to go hunt in New Mexico in January can go get an over-the-counter mule deer tag? It depends what unit. It depends. Oh, okay. what, so out I've learned and I'm still learning like with the elk hunts and stuff that I've done in the past and now mule deer hunt. Um, it's make sure you know which unit you're in. Cause every unit laws and everything's different. Um, kind of what I understood out there is every ranch. Cause they're, you know, this one we were on 52,000 acres. And I mean, I know there's some out there that are hundreds of thousands of acres. Um, but most of them are leased out or, you know, there's access to public ground. Um, you can kill deer out there on public ground, but you better be, 
you know, it's not like where I hunted. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, you're going to get out there. It's about like hunting public land around home. There's more pressure. You better get where nobody else wants to get, and you better have a dang good backpack to carry him out when you get him. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I'm glad you give us a little bit of insight into to what it's it's not all sugarcoated. I mean, you're either getting a guided service where you may have some good property to go hunt on, or you may be getting public where you're going to have to put in a lot more work. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, and that's I think that's the realistic thing that people need to know before they get all <laughs> excited about what you're saying. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? and, and I'll be the first to tell you, like, I love doing everything on my own. I've always, like, I want to, like, when we traveled, I want to hang my own stands. I want to, you know, I like doing my own food plots. And that's in the Midwest. Like, I like doing everything my own. Cameras, I like to know what's going on. I don't have time right now in, in this stage of my life to go out west and and scout for weeks on end and sleep with them, you know, theoretically speaking, to to know what they're doing, you know, on public land. Now, will I do it? Yes, eventually when I have a couple weeks I go spend out there. But for my time frame, it was easier for me to go out. I know where I was going. I, I know there – I at least had a chance. I mean, it come down to me making the shot is what it come down to and, you know, making sure I got in range. So, I mean – for me, it was the right choice at that time. Now, will I go back and go on a public land hunt? Absolutely, because I love that aspect of it. But in the time frame, it made sense for me to go do that. But you can do it either anyway. I mean, you or you can go and you know hunt public. You can hunt private. I mean, there's opportunities out there. You just got to be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know what you're saying about the scouting too. You know, um, biding our time. You know, we don't exactly live you know close to the exactly close to the mule deer or elk and. I know me and buddies have talked over the years about, you know, making a trip out there and just, you know, buy up buy up three or $400 worth of cheap cameras and let's go hang them, then we'll get out there and hunt. And, man, cutting out three or four days to run out to Colorado or Wyoming or whatever and just throw out cameras, I mean, that's, you know, it's it's a lot. You know, 10 and 12-hour drive, 14-hour drive from where we're at. And, you know, I mean, it sounds great, but you you got to have that time. You got to have money run out there. You, know? you got to have the motivation. Motivation, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're probably going to, you know, you're going to drive 14, 16 hours straight through. Then you're going to hike all over, placing cameras, marking spots on, you know, your GPS, and then jump in a truck, basically head back home. I don't know That's about a long you guys. Weekend. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but uh, I already mess up enough running trail cameras out here in the Midwest <laughs> here in Missouri. Uh, I'd hate to go all the way to Colorado, put a few cameras out, and realize that one's pointing at the sky and the other yeah, <laughs> the other the one's one batteries work. died, the SIM card wasn't pushed all the way in. Man, yeah, there's so many so many factors and things that can unmotivate a person not to want to do those things. And, you know, why why make it so hard on yourself if, if you know, you have the resources to be able to go out there and, and hunt like you have, yep. like you got to, um, then definitely take them. But there is definitely a really cool and – satisfaction to being successful on diy hunts oh absolutely no doubt about that absolutely i love going you know uh out here and killing turkeys on public land you know just getting in (laughs) there and you know aspect of other people hunting them too and the pressure i mean Mm -hmm. i love it so i mean i'm i'm cool with both any way to kill something and and have a good time and be safe i'm all about it so i think you know not getting off subject again but that's what all of us hunters in the community needs to grasp is no matter how you kill it what you do you know as long as you you're safe you're using the meat for what it's intended for and just go hunt and have fun like and it's no been all legal Agreed. illegal yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 
kind of over the whole keyboard warrior thing where you did this or you did that like can't knock you know Lee and Tiffany for shooting booners every year. They they're blessed with good ground. I can't I can't do that, but I am not going to be jealous over it. You right. know, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard the story. I mean, they've got it a few yeah. document documents about how uh, Lee yes. created that yeah. opportunity I've, I've read, for I've himself. Read the book I have that they too. put out and every yeah. Some people just you know they don't have those opportunities or they didn't work hard enough for those opportunities and right. they, they get right. a little jealous. Which yep. you know that's that's what happens. You get it keyboard does. warriors, but <laughs> it does. So you guys, um, I, I don't know, did you go with anybody or is this kind of a solo trip? So I took a friend of mine. Um, he's in the real estate business, works for a different brokerage up there. Him and I actually did the, a couple hunting shows together back in the day when I was doing it full, full time. Um, um, he worked for another uh, Red Arrow with Kip. Oh, yeah. um, he, he worked with Red Arrow. Yeah, he had a really good time. He's he's an awesome guy, and and uh, he kills it in the real estate business. So he actually went with me, and I was supposed to have a friend go with me. Um, I should have called you guys if I'd have known, but I, I had a buddy of mine, my, my best friend, that was supposed to go out. I'd be and, a uh, lawyer right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear just, you there. Just kidding. Me. <laughs> but she, or he was supposed to go out and film me, and his family got sick like oh, right man. before we went. So he ended up not going, and, you know, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm going hunting, you know. So I, I enjoyed it. Would have been cool to have on film, yeah, because it was bad to bone hunt. But in the day, it's in my memory and and. That's what matters. Went and the goal was taken care of. I, I succeeded. So and that you definitely learned. If if you didn't learn the first time you were out there, you definitely learned a lot. Go being with, the hunter, you know. Go with more pins. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned. Go with more pins on your bow. <laughs> okay. Um, so you got there, and what happened after that? Got there, and you know, got everything unpacked in camp. You know, set our load. You know, set a load to everybody. Um, you know, cause I, I elk hunted with them, you know, a couple years prior to this and, uh, you know, we just hit it right back off where we stopped, you know, talking about hunting and Hey, what, you know, rainfall, how are we looking, you know, what, what are the deer doing? Are they rutting? Are they not, you know, and, and shot my bow a little bit and, and pretty much we went hunting. I mean, when we got there, we ate, went to bed, talked, you know, and all that and then bam we're straight at i mean wake up in the morning you get in the side by side and you go out and get on the two track and just you know mm-hmm. all day daylight to dark pack now, you a sandwich now when you say you were hunting now were you guys uh in the mornings were you guys glassing on high ridges or knolls to try to kind of pick up certain bucks that you wanted to go after how, how did it shake out there yeah, yeah so pretty much what we would do in the mornings we'd get in the side by sides just go they have road systems but like they're very strategic on how they get the roads because it's pretty rough ground so we would go to certain spots you know they know the ranch really well um, and we would just go and get on a high point and and sit there you know we'd glass for 20 30 40 minutes maybe an hour depending on what we were seeing and then we'd move you know and and it was such rough country when you committed to one you better you're you're committed you know so we would just ease around until we found you know a buck you know in the right place or you know just pretty much spot and stalk and, and just glass them. I mean, that that was pretty much the trip. Is just get out there and get eyes on. Them. That's the hardest part. And man, when those mule deer get tucked in a in a in a bush or a yucca plant or something like that, I mean, I, I sat there and watched the same spot forever. And then we were getting ready to leave, and deer just stood up, you know, two hundred yards from us. And you're like, Where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? <laughs> you know, I know, I know you didn't drop out of you know out of the sky, you know, right. but they're. I mean, they're the king at hiding. Ain't they're, they're, they hide so good. And even when you knew the deer were standing out there, 
they would lay down and like you might sit there for 10 minutes before they twitch their ear you mm-hmm. know so it was a lot of glassing um, a lot of driving you know to get to different you know peaks and, and hills and you know some of the ground you know going out from the the main lodge and stuff when you went out um, you know it'd be like bottom river ground turkeys we drove under turkeys every single day on the limb and that oh, drove me nuts so I was it was awesome but I'm like I want to kill every one of you but <laughs> that, I didn't have a tag so when we go out through and then it'd be kind of you know plains you know with a lot of short cedar trees and then once you got like some of the guys hunted in that stuff and then when I hunted in the first couple of days, and then I went up to the, I would call it hill country. I, it was mountains to me compared to what we have here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I spent most of my time up there because there were some other guys in camp too, but I was kind of able to go through that rough stuff. I mean, it was – I'm not in the best shape in the world. I'm a little round in the stomach area. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it, it was like grabbing stuff, pull yourself up. I mean, it was, oh, wow. it, it was rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was some rough stuff. Like when you went – when we were up on the hill glassing and there'd be, you know, you'd be looking. I mean, you can't see the bottom down below you. You'd have to walk like 100 yards out just to see down. It's it's hard to to paint a picture for you guys of what the terrain really looks like. I could show you a picture, but it doesn't do it justice, you know, until you're there. And it's it's rough. How, how much uh, elevation were you at? You know, I couldn't tell you. No. All no. I had was killing mule deer on my mind. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even check the elevation, to be honest with you. Uh I can get back to you on that, but I don't know. Did I know you? I know when I walked up a hill or down a hill, I was yeah. huffing and puffing. It was high enough. <laughs> high enough, okay. Yeah. Yep. That's all I needed to know. Yep. I'm just curious uh, if you had to do any acclimating before you got uh, into hunting. Well, I kind of knew what I was getting into because elk hunting, you know, over there um, a couple years before. But I've been out west, you know, on multiple different hunts in Colorado, and I've you know Wyoming and stuff like that and you can sit here and train at home and be in the best shape you can but getting in that elevation it's just so different I mean like you can train you can wear the mask do all that you know get your body prepared but getting up there I didn't do anything to be honest with you I just my when I go on a trip and I know I'm going to be in a dry area or elevation change compared to where we live here in Missouri I always drink a ton of water the week before I mean drink water like like you feel like you're going to drown you drink so much (laughs) Man, when I mean, we go out west, I've like the last couple times I've had like a like a big gallon jug of water like sitting next. The guys don't like it; they got to pull over on the overpasses quite a bit. Exactly. But, uh, but that's all I'm doing. I'm hydrating because I've I've found that that's the best thing for me as well. And I think that I think that helps a lot of people when you go to a different elevation. You know, such a big elevation change. You know, because like where we hunt elk and mule deer in Colorado, you know, we're up above ten thousand. So, you know, that's that's up there. That's up there. Yeah, hydration's key out there. I mean, you can go off, you know, little protein bars and little things like that. We ate ham sandwiches, little protein bars here and there, but water was my, you know, and even a Gatorade from time to time, you know, Mm -hmm. just staying hydrated um, because if you don't, you cramp up up there, Mm -hmm. fall over, tip over, hit your head on a rock, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, it's – I'm definitely not Cam Haynes, but I've got the mindset of when I'm going up a hill, I plan on killing something. Yeah, so that, that's a lot of hydration and mindset. That's we talk about that all the time too. Yeah, just having that mental go. You know, exactly. That's, uh, that's in my mind. That's that's 75 to 80 percent of it. I agree 110 percent on that. You got to have the mindset of whatever you're going into, whether hunting is. Yeah. You got to be there, and you got to have your mind right because I mean. It'll make for a miserable hunt out there, I can tell you. Yeah, if, well, if you you got to learn to smile at the suck. <laughs> exactly. 
Like missing. Yeah. I've done that a time or two. Yeah, yeah, same. So how many stalks um, did you go on before you were successful? All right, here we go. I'm about to tell on myself. So we did about one a day. So this was a six-day deal. Um, I went the first day. I missed a 175 at, at 70 yards. Barely missed him. Um, next day, take that back. On day day two, I got on a stock. Didn't have anything. I didn't, you know, win got me. Third day, I don't think I had a stock. Fourth day, I mean, we're, when I say this, trying to keep it short and simple but we were seeing multiple deer a day it's just like okay do you go after that one because if you commit to that one like there's your whole day yeah. like if you go and you get on that deer like if he ain't in the right spot it's kind of like do you do you wait if he ain't like a giant you know and i'm not necessarily stuck on score or nothing i if he's unique i'm shooting right. but do you go spend your whole day on that one or do you go try to find another one because there was enough deer on this place you could do that um where it made more sense you know uh, it's kind of a numbers game out there the more opportunities you have to get on deer the better your odds are so i ended up killing my deer on day five uh, okay. but i had multiple stocks before that i actually missed another deer i missed two before i killed mine so and, and it is what it is i mean i was mad at myself you know i had ranges i mean i stood on one deer i missed a big one and if i'm not mistaken it was day four and we got on a, a really really nice deer um big deep forks and we watched we were actually leaving to go to a different area and i looked over this buck it was a big ridge top i mean huge and just a big canyon down below and i pulled i was driving with a naked eye i mean it was like five six hundred yards over there i'm like is that a deer standing under the tree so we stopped and we were looking and i'd be dang if it wasn't just a stud mm -hmm. and uh, so the guy that was with me i didn't even know this was possible so anybody going out there it might be something to look into but he had a deer like a mule deer call I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, anyways, he started like, I don't even want to make the sound because it's not going to sound <laughs> like it. But like, it was like kind of like a doe bleat. And this deer, this buck, you know, he could, it would stop him and it catch curiosity from time to time. Well, this deer starts coming down, and coming down and coming down, and jumps up, a, jumps up another buck. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see him. You know, I mean, we glass this thing forever, and so we started. He started. We started going down the hill. He hit his call a couple times, and we called that little buck to in like 40 yards. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, he wasn't very big. I'm like, shot shooting? You know, I mean, I'm, I've already missed, you know, mm -hmm. shot shooting. And anyways, I ended up not and passed him. Well, the big deer come down. The I'm glad he did. I mean, that way I didn't have to, you know. Anyways, I'll get into that in a minute. Anyways, he come down, and he got up on our side, and I got within 70 of him. And the hill was like straight. I mean, it wasn't straight up and down, but it was pretty close, like, I stood there for an hour, hour and a half within 70 yards of him, standing there, release clipped in, everything. The deer bedded up on me. The buck did. And we were sitting there. I could see his head, but he was kind of turned towards me. And the guy I was with, he, he said, if you walk straight towards them, you know, they won't, they won't bump, they won't take out of there as quick, you know. And I'm like, well, I got within 70, and the wind was really strong. So every time the wind, you know, this stalk started at like probably 300 yards, you know, and I got within 70. And when the wind blew hard, you moved. Mm -hmm. You and, and when it didn't, you stood there. I mean, I stood in that one spot for an hour, hour and a half at 70. And long story short, he stood up and I sent it and didn't connect. <laughs> so I tucked my tail on that one. You'll have it. it, it you'll have it. 
I got mad. Was you that know, the second miss? That was the second third? miss. Okay. Second miss. So after two misses, how are you feeling? Mad. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm Levi Morgan by no means because I'm not. But I feel like I was a good enough bow shot to go out there and, and be able to do that. Now, I wasn't prepared for those, you know, for those yardages. So when I got back that night, first night I shot my bow after I missed him. Second shot, I, or second miss, I really shot my bow. I mean, and here's another tip for anybody going out there. Don't go out there with six arrows like we do in the Midwest. Go out there with a dozen <laughs> or two dozen. Because I hate to call my buddy out on this. Love him to death. If he, if he listens to this, I'm sorry. But he, he ended up shooting 11 times. Yeah. You know, and it happens. I mean, to be honest, I mean, the deer I shot, which I'm sure we'll get into that, I, I felt good about the shot, but I'm – I was kind of surprised when it hit him. Well, Carter spent I don't know how much time with me out in Colorado digging uh digging broadheads out of trees and <laughs> and uh, I did I do bring a lot of arrows when I go out west so that's not really a problem but I had some more expensive broadheads and I missed a few mule deer myself on the last trip we were on and uh, and um, man I yeah we spent uh, we spent the better part of a couple mornings digging broadheads out of trees you know. Um, one arrow went right over a, a back of a mule deer, and another arrow went right in front of him, of a of a different one. I missed twice uh, the last time I was out there too, and uh, or just some cold stone killers yeah, up in here. Well, I'm telling you, you know, and <laughs> nice. uh, and like he alluded to, you know, practicing shooting with your bow. We talk about that all the time. I was practiced, you know, I was practiced out to 70, 80 yards, you know shooting good at those distances but you know i've always kind of thought too you, you know if you're going to shoot a distance you almost need to be able to double it on a target well i can tell you right now i can't shoot 140 or 160 yards no. you know on you know on paper and i think what that equates to you know is when you got the adrenaline rush of an animal you know in front of you it just makes those longer shots that much harder and you really gotta you gotta be really able to uh, control your emotion on those longer shots. I think. Yeah, because a lot yeah. can happen in between that kind of distance. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. That, and that's what I tell you know when when he's like 70, 80 yards, I'm like one step. But that you know I, I didn't come out here mm-hmm. and I've I've wounded animals, but my goal is to not. I mean, yeah. have respect for the animal, but you know 70, 80 yards. You know we don't shoot those ranges here mm-hmm. at home. Like a, you shoot a doe at 20 yards, you might want to put you know pin a little low because she's probably gonna duck you know and and out there they just they just stand there like a statue and mm-hmm. you know i don't know yeah it's it's a whole different world yes and angles yeah angles is what killed me like i'd go shoot and it, it was no big deal like I, I mean i was showing the guys pictures when i walked back inside i'm like man i was smoking the target you know when you go out and throw a steep angle down or up i mean you better be you know prepared for that and i know going back out west whether it's an elk hunt mule deer hunt or maybe even a, uh, you know i'm shooting a mountain line up in a tree you know i'm going to whether i throw a target you know might lose some arrows but i'll do it in a safe manner um on private property but i might throw a target on a rope and send it up a you know a tree just to get angles or yeah. you know or go off the roof of my house or whatever the case may be because yeah. we shot some there were some crazy angles that i wasn't expecting to shoot you know and not that i went out there thinking it was going to be perfectly easy right. but i was definitely not prepared for that and mm-hmm. the bad thing is i was out there elk hunting i knew what the train was i just i had so much going on previously previously Mm -hmm. that i just couldn't you know shoot my bow like i should but it worked out so yeah and uh you've got to go on a lot of stalks can you and i know that you guys maybe even passed on some stalks where you could have um 
pursued. What was an ideal stalk that you were looking for? I know you were looking for maybe a, a size of a deer, but also, you know, a situation in which you're like, all right, this sets up pretty well for us to be successful. What did that look like for you guys? So with the, the terrain, our biggest thing was how do we get from point A to point B? Once we get to that, you know, you got to pick out a spot. You know, you know where the deer is, but when you get there, it looks completely different. You know, when you're way back, you know, glassing, and it looks like a little ant over on the hill, you need to pick out a point. That's what we always did is maybe a tree up on the ridge because we knew it was the highest point. You know, we pick up that tree, and, and that's where we would say, okay, that's our point of, of entries. We're going to get to that point, and then, you know, whether it be a yucca plant or a small cedar tree, we would try to glass that if possible, you know, or drainage ditch, whatever the case may be, to get to that spot to get an arrow, you know, hopefully through some of the thick stuff. You know, it was, and another thing that threw a curveball in, do you go from above or do you go below up, you know? So sometimes you had to loop way around just to get in a position. So that could take an hour or two just mm -hmm. to get over there and deer move, especially during the rut. I mean, if one buck come in and pushed another buck, you know, and then trying to run his dose, they might be, I mean, I chased mine four miles, you know, <laughs> and that, that was some rough country, you know? So just finding the deer the, when we hunted, we actually would rather have the deer up and moving and, instead of bedded because you have so many eyes on you. When they're up and they're moving, they have their minds on other things. You know, especially a buck during the rut, they're looking at other does or trying to run a, you know, a, I don't know what you'd call it, just a smaller buck, kind of like a satellite bull to a big herd bull. You know, they would try to run them off, you know. So they were, they were occupied yeah. versus trying to just go in on a deer that was bedded up that, you know, so – that that's what our strategy was is to get in there and and you know maybe we didn't rush in there either you know we met, we took our time evaluated situations and our biggest issue was the wind i mean because when you're when you're in a low point the wind could swirl you you know it's the same way around here you get in ravines and and ridges they they swirl and then you go up well you know and this guy that i was with was very knowledgeable so like if if the ridge ran like this, he knew what the wind would typically do, you know? So he was very knowledgeable and I didn't have that knowledge because we don't, I hunt flat ground here, you know, at home. So flatlanders. Yeah, we're flatlanders <laughs> compared to that. So having his knowledge there also, you know, and I caught on to it, but how the, you know, if there was a saddle, how's the wind going to come up over the saddle or how's it going to get down in this? I don't even know the technical terms, but I would call it two peaks coming down and meeting in one spot, you know, like how the, how's, what's the wind going to do when it gets there? So location of the deer and location where we started you know, were the two biggest things that we looked at as well is how do we get there, mm -hmm. you know, and how do we not waste our whole day, mm -hmm. you know, because it was a numbers game. I mean, the more stalks you go on, your chances go up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so day five rolls around, and uh, I don't know, did you know about this book prior to day five? I didn't. Okay. I mean, new bucks were coming in and out all the time, you know. It's a rut. It's a rut, you yeah. know, and, and out there there's so many – cracks and crevices and trees and you know little bushes and they just come out of nowhere and so i was actually we were glassing and we had a big herd of elk it was, it was all cows you know so that was kind of cool and we watched like i think there was 26 cows up on this big hill you know ridge whatever you want to call it and we were watching them and then we looked over to the right and there i mean i seen a i'll show y'all a picture uh, just a stud three by four i mean tall i mean his tines were 
14 inches at least, mm-hmm. you know, big frame, no, no, eye, they call them eye guards out there. We call them brow tines, but no eye guards. And I was like, I like, he's cool. You know, big <laughs> yeah. mass. Yeah. I mean, unique we got to, exactly. And, and I like that. I'm score. It's cool. I like unique. And uh, so we threw the spotting scope on them. That's one thing we did once we got eyes on them with the binos, then we throw a spotting scope up and kind of get a better idea what they were. Mm-hmm. And so we watched that deer. Well, then all of a sudden this other deer, you know, there was two or three bucks in this group. And so we made a plan. I was going to try to kill this three by four. Got in there, got within 45 yards. Long story short, we busted the deer. The wind swirled. Might have caught a little bit of our movement. They took off. And when I say these deer can move, like from one point to another, it is unbelievable. Like I'm sitting over here struggling to walk five yards and they're already 500. Yeah. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so from that point, I was very frustrated at that point because like we're on day five. Yeah. You've, it, already, you've already had a couple misses. I've already had a couple misses. In. You know, but. What, and you had a seven day trip, right? Six. Six, six days. So you had a six day six trip. Six days. So oh. I was down yeah. getting close and, and mindset, you know, yeah. I. Had my little tantrum, got mad, you know. I'm like, crap, you know, we're getting, you know, towards the end of this, and that was it. I mean, I was within 45 yards. That's close I've been the whole trip. Right. <laughs> kind of had sat there for a minute, got a reset, you know, hit the reset button, got my mind right, and uh, we watched the deer. I mean, they're, they look like ants over on this next ridge. I mean, they're way over there. So we ended up going around, and there was another guy. There was actually, on this on this particular day, there was two guys with us, and, and we were in a side-by-side, and he was watching too so he kind of had eyes on him so when we went back around i we followed him the whole way on foot and we got him to another point and it's exact same spot that i missed the big deer the first day so i knew how hard this terrain was right Mm -hmm. there and i knew kind of what the wind was going to do and they got down and we we watched them for oh an hour to bed up and there wasn't nothing you could do you know and and we got around and i walked all the way around so the guy he liked to go with me, you know, to, to range and do all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm one of them guys, I like to hit my own range because range finders are different. And, yeah. You know, we, we kind of, we checked them before. But when we got a, he left me, or he, I went by myself on this one. Mm-hmm. So I went around, and I'm coming around this edge, and there was a little buck, a bunch of does in the bottom, and then the big three-by-four with, with another doe bedded up. So I come all the way around, and I did this the first day, too. With the same with that other buck, so I followed around, and all of a sudden I hear the guys coming. I'm like, you know, I'm like, what, what's going on? You know, why, why, like I'm working, I'm working this, like I'm, I'm going in to kill this deer, and I'll never forget this. And I, they probably thought I, I don't, I don't know, I won't use the word I was gonna say, but thought maybe thought I was mean put it that way but when i went around i was like hey what are you guys doing you know and i was nice then not saying i wasn't nice but i just told them you know they were sitting there and kind of eating a bite of lunch and stuff like that and i looked at them i looked at them said listen i'm going to kill this deer you all can pick me up on the next ridge but i'm not stopping until i kill this deer whether it's dark or not i will not come back until i kill the deer and i took off and he left me go he let me go by myself and I took off, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I got eyes on the deer again. I found him, and, uh, you know, probably five, 600 yards down this ridge line. And all of a sudden, he comes up behind me, and I'm like, what are you doing, you know? And, and he kind of caught me off guard. He's like, you weren't kidding. Like, you were, you were coming. You were serious. I'm like, I told you I wouldn't come back till I, you know, killed it, missed him, did something. 
And uh, so we ended up going in and we got really risky. So there was a three by four, the, the buck I ended up killing, which I didn't know he was even there. He, he was kind of a, a, a bonus buck. Yeah. And so it was, wish I could draw you all a picture here, but it was two ravines that went down into a big bottom and I was up on the high side and the wind was really, really iffy. So we made it, and, and there wasn't any cover on the right-hand side, but the left-hand side, there was really good cover with kind of a roll in a hill, but the wind was really funky. And I'm like, listen, we, we discussed it, and I'm like, we can go that way, and the wind is like perfect, but we have no cover. And I'm not looking to sling one at 100 yards. I've no. been there. I've already missed two times. <laughs> I'm already down about that. I'm like, let's go in on this left side and get risky, and maybe we'll, you know, a crosswind, and we'll be okay. So we went down, got in there. And I'm sitting there. We're getting ready to go over the hill, and I see a doe coming. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. So I hit my rangefinder immediately. There's a couple bushes, 67 yards. I had it. I had my, I had my pin set on 65. I knew right where I needed to aim, and here come the doe. And I'm like, I told the guy that was with me, I'm like, I hope he comes on this side that, you know, the, uh, the brush. And so one doe come through. I seen his rack coming through. And I killed this. He's a funky looking deer. I mean, I, I've never seen a mule deer that looks like him. But when he come up through there, I, I I drew, and the guy that was with me is like, shoot. Well, he didn't see it, but there was a doe that my arrow went by her face, and she is, you know, she didn't know it, but she was really close to dying. <laughs> I mean, I threaded a needle, but I ended up shooting him at 67 yards, and I. I probably couldn't have done it again, but I pinwheeled him. Oh, and, and the guy that was with me is like, man, he's bleeding everywhere. Uh, I mean, he, he, when I shot, blood went everywhere. Deer ran 50 yards, fell over dead. You know, we're, I'm freaking out. You I'm watched pumped. him go down? Well, we heard him. I didn't because oh, okay. he ran down the hill. But I'm like, you smoked him. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm relieved. You know, had the misses. And, and anyways, I just, you know, I seen a lot bigger deer. But this deer was crazy unique. He had, you know, some different type, big brows or eye guards, whatever you want to call them. And he had just some funky, I don't know what going on. It's just a messed up deer. It kind of looked like a turkey foot. You, you probably won't, I probably won't ever see another mule deer like this. <laughs> and so he went up there and, and, you know, got some phone service to tell the guy, hey, we killed one. You know, we're going to need to pack him out. And I'm sitting over here, the three by four, the one I was actually really wanting to kill, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. But I was kind of like, any buck that I like gives me an opportunity. I'm slinging. Especially fifth I'm, day fifth of day. a six day hunt. Exactly. You know, it, uh... <laughs> I'd be dang if that big three by four didn't go up probably 80 yards from here and breed a doe. Oh, really? Wow. I just, I mean, it, I'll never forget it. He bred her and he went up over the hill and just. Oh. Kind of like a, kind of like a, yeah, yeah. kind of like a, you know, one of them Disney stories where you know they lived happily ever after because that's what he did. It disappeared, how, it, it's a big disappeared FU in the sunset. It was, it was a big fu. But hey, I was happy. I mean, like I said, that deer. I wish I'd have brought him tonight so y'all could have seen because yeah, it was. He had a huge hole, um, kind of where his main beam and G two would come, and there was a bunch of velvet stuck in there. I mean, that's you could cool. you could fit probably a silver dollar in the hole i mean it was cool oh, uh, he wasn't a big scoring deer yeah but he's just really unique and man i just so relieved after you know i shot and the arrow hit where i was intending to because i mean it's you know when you get on them deer you know another thing is it's like i'm out of shape like we've already talked about is getting to that point and then like, 
you know, huffing and puffing and you're shaking and, you know, selling yep. your pen and doing all that. I mean, it, it makes it even, it adds another aspect that we're not used to sitting in a tree stand, you know, of having your, you know, our heart rates are obviously going, but like we just ran up a hill or down the hill or whatever the case may be, or, you, you know, it just, it adds a whole nother element to it. But when the arrow hit, I can tell you, I was a, I was a thankful man for sure. Yeah. I mean, after all that adversity you had to face, five days worth of stalks and you know putting the miles on i'm sure i'm sure you were lit up oh i was like a christmas tree i can tell you <laughs> i was excited i was excited and then we had to you know that's when the work started luckily we didn't have to take him too far but uh we cut him up up there on the on the mountain and and caped him out and and uh, we backpacked him out, so yeah. it, it wasn't bad. It, That's it, all part of the fun experience. Oh, it was. Eyes, I, 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 I just love it. it. it I, out west, I mean, my wife wants she wants me to go out that way so bad. And if I didn't have an established business around here, yeah. I, I might do that. But I, I, I do. I, my goal from here on out is to do one trip at least a year out yeah. there. You know, whether it's elk or, you know, I like hunting different states. So I, I, I tell my wife all the time I'm retired. She does not want to move out west because we have a lot of family around here. Yep. But I tell her all the time, I'm like, well, that's okay. But once I retire, I'll be gone for three months of the year. Every year I'll be <laughs> I'll be 12 to 18 <laughs> hours away at any given point. <laughs> and she's on board, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she cool. loves it. No. Right she's like, you can. I'll be home with grandkids or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, all right. It would be fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I it, it's it's a whole other world out there. It is, man. It is. It's a in my in my eyes. I don't know if it's just coming from coming from the Midwest, and you know, whitetails are so weary. You know, I, I mean, they just they hide really good, and out there you get a lot more open country, in my opinion, and you're able to see a lot more animals. And I just I love that. You yeah. know, driving through Wyoming, you know, you can you drive all the way across Wyoming in the middle of the day. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't see thousands and thousands of antelope you know we always do and it's just to me it's just amazing you know you get to get to watch those animals you know and i think i think that part of it's really neat i one thing that i like about out there is you know going off what you said is you can see so far so i, I like seeing an animal putting a plan together and executing it. now it don't always happen we <laughs> right. i mean i obviously know that from experience but like here we can't really do that no you know i mean you might see a deer in a waterway or something that you might put a stock on but good luck because yeah. i mean nine <laughs> times out of ten it's not going to work it's just i like i like putting a plan together and and making it happen and that's that's what i like about yeah. out west so much it's just a different aspect of hunting yeah. that we're not used to right right and in this case you know not not the plan that you had originally had but because you had a plan and a strategic method to go about it, you were able to make your own luck, basically, and had another opportunity at a nice buck. The rut always seems to help with that, but you did have a good plan going into it and then another opportunity that you thought... It presented itself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wasn't wasn't going to let him walk by me without slinging an arrow. And listen, man, I've seen the pictures of the buck. Congratulations. Thanks, it's a man. heck of a deer. Um, I don't know. Did you score it or anything? I, I haven't. I, I don't even. Honestly, I don't know how you would score it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, just just the, you know, it's not even like a, any whitetails that I've seen. How you know, it would take somebody like my buddy's a really good guy at scoring deer, but like the f the funkiness of it, I don't even know how you would, you know, to be honest, you know, how you would score this deer. I have no idea. One side you can score it and. It'd be great. The other one, it's all, I mean, there's points and, you know, stuff going everywhere. It'll crack. I don't know. It's, it's weird. 
It's yeah. a weird deer. Yeah. I mean, sir, somebody can do it, but it ain't going to be me. Right. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be me. So. Yeah, you were talking about like a deer with like 14-inch G2s. And and uh, when we were out in Colorado a couple of years ago, mule deer hunting, our the other one of the other hosts of the show that's sometimes on Austin, he killed a mule deer. And uh, it had 14-inch, you know, just giant G2s, you know, just a just a monster of a deer. And, uh, man, that was just the coolest day ever, you know, to walk up on that deer, on that mule deer dead. And, and uh, you know, his first ever mule deer with a bow, and it just happened to be a really good buck, you know. And it, it was an awesome day. And that's another one of those deals where it didn't just walk out there and happen. You know, you guys had put years into and a strategizing and yeah. and putting boots on the ground looking for yeah we well we knew that spot from elk hunting you know yeah. we'd spent so many so many miles in their elk hunting we kept running into good mule deer yep. and we were going you know we got to put him for the because the one year we were we didn't really know um, how Colorado worked with their tag system and um, basically it's a draw for everybody their residents draw for deer tags non residents draw and it and you can't really get one your first year. But, uh, yeah, we drove down to the local store on our second year there, I think it was, and we were like, can we get a mule deer tag? And they were like, no, you cannot. And I'm like, dang, because, uh, you know, we, just, we were just finding them everywhere. And uh, and uh, so that's what, you know, prompted us to have, obviously, we put in points and then we drew. And we actually should draw this year. Uh, we're planning on going back to that spot to hunt mule deer yeah, uh, this a- uh, September. I think it's a mule deer year for it the might 573 be. Might be. <laughs> because uh, i plan on doing the same thing and i know we've discussed it on yeah. previous episodes and we'll probably keep talking to you about it yeah. until we get there yeah, there you go it's exciting <laughs> planning, exciting. planning for a trip the build-up of it and everything it's a it's all part of it now luke how many points was this uh mule deer that you got couldn't even tell you <laughs> no no i know that sounds bad i didn't even count them really i, I didn't i just He's unique, man. Yeah. I, I just I didn't even count the points. Do, I don't know. Does the one side just have kind of like points everywhere? Is yeah, it, like, he's got it like a turkey foot, and then like his main beam isn't like a normal you know wrap around main beam. Yeah. It goes like straight up in a little crab claw, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like the main beam is like crazy thick. Oh, really? You know, it, it's just I've never seen nothing like yeah. it. I, I don't yeah. even know how to That's explain cool, it. Man. Just That's cool. messed up looking. Yeah. But, I, I don't know how but many points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know I walked a lot of miles. I shot a lot of arrows. I had a lot of ups and downs, and a mule deer came back to Missouri. And I don't know how many points he has. A lot, a lot of guys say I want either really big or I want funky. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. I won't discriminate. If my heart's right. pumping, hey, yeah. if, if my heart is pumping, I'm shooting. Yep, yep. I'm a believer in that. Uh, what kind of glass were you were you using out there? I was using Bushnells. Bushnells. Yeah. And you were running. What were you running for binos? Ten by forty two. Ten by forty two. Yeah. And, and, and the guide had a spotter, or you he, had a spotter. He had one. I I had one, but I I got in a hurry. I actually packed my trailer. I was going to take my my crew cab can am out there, and my buddy couldn't go, so I ended up and I got mixed up in all my you know I left a tripod at home, the adapter for my you know my. Uh-huh spot and scope yeah so i ended up not even using it but he had a he had a vortex um and then he had swarovskis uh for the uh you know for his binos and i think they were 10 by 50s i think is what they were and 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 then i had 10 by 42s and i will say like coming from the midwest going out there man have a good set of glass i was We've used Bushnell for a while now, yeah. and I've been really, really happy with it, and they were light. That was my biggest thing is, like, I could sit there 
and and my arms never got really tired mm -hmm. you know because you would sit there and glass forever at the same spot just to see something move yeah and 10 by 42s were, were were good for what i was doing because you can move and scout and everything you know scan not scout scan really well um and then you know it, it made it easy and my arms never got tired now holding 10 by 50s the whole day probably would have been a little bit of a struggle now i will say one hack that i learned out there was um get you a set of shooting sticks mm -hmm. and even if it's I, I think he had some bog pods i mean you could do primos shooting sticks yeah. whatever you wanted to but just have those and it actually i didn't really believe him i kind of thought he was crazy when you know he's like man it makes you so much steadier you can see so many more deer by that and i'd be dang after we grabbed a set you know and i just could set so much you know steadier you know i wasn't shaking and making out think i was seeing something wasn't or you know right. if something moved i was like okay i was on him instead of my body moving so that was a that was a huge help out there yeah huge help yeah. so yeah spot and scope's almost a must if you're doing back country like serious back country i know it's kind of tough to pack but that was a huge help for yeah. us yeah do you uh do you have any desire to go like out and like do like high country mule deer you yes. know like you know early september or i would late, love to. late august you yep. know yeah i would love to yeah. i mean i my goal, I really wanted to go out and shoot. Like, I was going to go out and hunt early. Um, I would really like to shoot a full velvet mule deer. Because I just the think, they're, I think they're beautiful. <laughs> I agree. And, I agree. But he's like, man, you really need to come during the rut. He's like, it's unbelievable. There's deer everywhere. Um, so, and, and I took his word for it, and it paid. I mean, there was deer everywhere. It was awesome. But yeah. would I, I would love to go kill a high country mule deer. Yeah. It, it, you know, whether it be Colorado or wherever, right, you right, know, uh, yeah. get it, you know up there almost tree line and yeah it'd be fun well it sounds like you chose a good experience for maybe like your first time you know i haven't ever done the actual high country mule deer hunt yep. like you know when they are in full velvet we've seen in the spot i was talking about earlier we've seen some velvet mule deer um but it's kind of when they're transitioning out of the high country is when we're kind of catching them yep and uh but you know you talk to a lot of guys and they'll they'll go on a seven or eight day high country hunt and they may only get two stalks yeah. the whole, you know, the whole eight days. You know, it sounds like what you did. If I was going to, if I had to pick and choose for my first time, I think I'd go, you know, I'd be looking at that rut hunt too, you know, if I if I didn't know what I knew now, you know, about the general area I hunt. So. Exactly. And, it, and you also, like, with what you're saying, you know, your area versus my area where I was hunting is like, you know, like, you, you know what you're getting into opportunity-wise, like, you only might get one or two opportunities. So that's a mindset right. as well. And then, you know, where I went, you know, there was a bunch of deer, yeah. you know, so it's, it's all in where you hunt too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think, I think for what I did in the time frame where I, it was the best choice for me. Now, am I opposed to going up and backpacking in and, and taking a camp? Absolutely. I would love that. I, I'm more, be honest with you, the older I get, I'm more about the experience, yeah. you know, what it took to get there, you know, what, what happened from point A to point B, you know, those type of things. Like, that's just much or more than killing to me. Yeah. You know, I like killing stuff, but I like the experience that too. Yeah. And I have, in all the hunts that I have done across the country, I will say that I've never slept up on the mountain. Like, like I've taken naps during yeah. the day, okay. but I haven't, you know, stayed in camp, you know, with a base camp or nothing like that. And I told him, you know, if I went back, I would love to get in the roughest, nastiest you know stuff and i want to stay back there yeah. you know because i mean when you took a side-by-side -side ride from you know where we were hunting to there it was 45 minutes to an hour you know it was yeah. a poke 
Yeah. So. Man, we we've been on we met some guys on some two tracks when I mule deer hunted in Montana actually, and my gosh, we were in our pickups, and I'm talking about you know, holes in this two track you know or. or 18 to 24 inches deep you know your trucks bottom out when you hit them and and these guys come pulling up on a razor and we seen them coming and they were just hauling across that two track and <laughs> after that everybody was like yeah next time we come back here i think it's best we have a side by side just, i mean they could they could we were going you know we were literally you know doing eight five to eight mile an hour all the way down this two track you know sometimes even slower than that just trying to get our pickup through some of these roads you then know you had I mean, to drive that pickup back home then you too. gotta get it back out you gotta <laughs> drive it 18 hours home it's, yeah. yeah it's a it was a big deal yeah. and uh them guys kind of you know they kind of tipped us off to yeah you really you can come out here and hunt some of these backcountry pieces that do have two tracks you, you better off have a side by side yeah and if you've never been out west before you you completely underestimate what you're up against out you there do. because it is truly gnarly and uh the further in and the higher you go the gnarlier it gets yeah. <laughs> first ever elk hunt everyone on uh we were headed up a road um we had run back into town and my buddy found a road on a map he said i think this will get us back to our camp a little quicker i said that sounds cool we ended up losing our exhaust on that road, <laughs> you know, just stuff was falling off. And I always pack a tool bag on our trips, you know, so we were able to cobble some stuff together. But, my gosh, I can remember the boulder that was sitting in the middle of that road. And he was like, what am I going to do here? I'm like, I don't think you can go over it. I'm going to have to go around it. And, you know, I had to get off the, just barely off the two track, you know, to get around this big boulder that had rolled down and was sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> you know. So, Luke. Uh, you said that you had, you noticed wind shifting and wind being a super important thing when spot and stalking. Besides feeling it up against you, what else like were you using? Were you using like milkweed or like a lighter or something to kind of just tell those, you where the wind direction was going? Yeah. So most of the time, we you know I had a, a bino pack that sits on my chest, um, and myself and the guy that was with me you know, them little puffers is pretty much what we use. Oh, okay. Um, and he had, I thought, it, I don't know this for a fact, but it made me think, and maybe this is me thinking over the top, um, but mine was white, and he uh, he used red. And I don't know if that was because of it was harder to see when you puffed it. I, you know, I, I don't know, but it was kind of unique because I've never seen the red, you know, I don't even know, kind of like baking soda is what I, I would consider. You. But he had a red color, and you, when you did it, you couldn't see it near as bad. You know, so I might look into that for hunting around here, you know, for, you know, checking wind if, you know, maybe that catches an animal's eye. I don't know what the reasoning was for it. I just noticed it myself. So my, it, my mind gets to thinking, but that was the main thing i mean if you got to a certain spot you know you might be able to pick something off a plant and you know throw it up in the air but nine times out of ten when you got that close um you know you were using a puffer or something like that okay just to kind of you know it switches so much up there. yeah hard to hard to say you know it's betting all odds against the wind hoping that it doesn't switch when it's time to put the stock on exactly and when you get to that hundred it's easy to get to a hundred out there like no i mean to get to 100 is not bad to get to 70 which is what they felt you know you should be comfortable shooting at um that's tough you know and i mean there's a lot of things like you don't really want to go in there and be too too patient you know because there's so many aspects of the wind switching on you so like if you get the wind right you know gotta be aggressive gotta be in there and i 
you know, at home when I deer hunt, I'm, I pay a lot of attention to wind speed, even here in Missouri. So I kind of took that out there, which I couldn't just go hunt when I wanted to. Like I was out there for six days. Yeah. But when you got a constant wind speed, like when we had constant wind on those days, I felt a lot better about the situation ver- versus a light and variable. Like at home, hunting here in Missouri, if I got a light and variable wind and I pay attention to it, you know, getting close to dusk, I won't even go hunt. You know, because nine times out of ten, I hunt fields, and when the deer are out there and get a light and variable wind, I'm going to blow the whole field. So I try to hunt on days that have a, you know, a stronger wind. And that goes for here in Missouri and out there, you know. It was on light and variable winds, we were a lot pickier, you know. more confident. Yeah. uh, In your steadier winds. Yeah, a lot more confident in steadier winds out there. Because even with the terrain, yeah, it changed, but it wasn't changing as often. So it gave you a little more time. I thought another great point you made. Um, earlier in the episode was that you know you would move when those winds picked up just kind of eliminate some of that sound factor yep that was huge um i I think that's why i could get in where i did on that last buck you know the buck i actually killed and another thing is too that those guys used that i never even knew existed you know i've always heard you know watching the real tree guys back in the day they would wear like heavy wool socks and you know they'd take their shoes off well uh this was called i think hush shoes or something like that and, and they call them sneaky boots out there hmm. but anyways it might help you on your hunt you know especially when you all go out there but it's just a i kept them in my pocket until i got within that hundred yard range and then i would slip them over my boot and it's kind of like one of those arctic shield booties when your feet are real cold in the midwest yeah. but it was a lot lighter and i will say that it cut when the wind was you know light and variable when we did go in on stocks i it it cut the sound in half you know i mean if i'd have known about them back in the day when i was you know turkey hunting a lot you know which you know without decoys and going in and trying to kill them i'd have been killing fool you know because i mean you step on rocks out there it it dampens your sound by half easily so that was another cool thing that i picked up that and the shooting sticks you know but yeah it's there's different things out there that they use that we never even think of over here right, and right. might use that around here from time to time. And uh, being this late into the year, you know, um, you know, you know, middle of winter, basically, you know, uh, did you guys struggle with thermals out there much? Because I can imagine if you were on, you know, east and west running ridges, you know, and you had north and south and, you, you know, I mean, your south side's really getting hit with sun and, you know, if the terrain was as steep as like you were saying i gotta imagine you know some of them north facing hillsides were were shaded you know when the south side was sunny and so you constantly had winds being variable there yeah it it seemed like with the cooler temperature so temperatures roughly were low 30s and high 20s for like when you first woke up and then you would you would peel clothes off and you'd be down to like a light hoodie Mm -hmm. um you know or or a half zip or something like that um and it'd be 40s or 50s you know when you went on Mm -hmm. the stalks uh but thermals didn't seem as bad it was just they were there and you paid attention to them but most of it was just the saddles and different angles of the of the hills is what really pushed that wind but thermals you definitely want to keep in mind for right. sure but it did that air out there is really dry too mm-hmm. so i don't know if that had an effect of where we didn't notice it as much or i didn't personally you know here at home you know i, I thermals are on my mind all the time okay is it you know thermals yeah. up or you know they push you know rising or not and all that mm-hmm. but out there i didn't really pay that much attention it was just wind speed and and you know that was my main thing is wind speed if you had a, a good wind you could at least because 
It's not like here at home, you know, oh, you got trees, you can't, you know, you'll go through the trees and you can't see them out there. You can still see the animal, but you might have to go a mile around to get to him right. and get the wind in your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. And then did you notice uh, the side-by-side burning the deer out, pushing them out? Or how did that work out for Not you? Not really. It, you know, because those deer are out on, you know, essentially, I mean, they don't see humans that often, you know, other than out there that all the ranchers so this was a working cattle operation as well so the ranchers were in you know side by side as well and so they seen them i mean if you got close to them yes i mean if you were a couple hundred yards from them and you didn't just crazy act the fool you know they were fine now when you took off to go stalk them you try to put yourself in the best situation you know, uh, whether you drop off the backside, you know, of the of the hill or, you know, do you park, you know, depending on where we were, you know, and what it looked like out in front of us and, and you know, whether it was a valley or the hills or whatever, the you know, mountains, um, you know, park down below and then walk up and check it. But you got to be careful with your horizon, you know, getting, you know, I'm trying to think of the word. I just had a uh, skyline. skyline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's the word I was looking for. So, yeah, but it didn't seem to bother them bad. And then... Was there certain parts of the day where glassing was more effective or, or something that you didn't want to be doing at, at other parts of the day? During the during the rut, I mean it was kinda like it could be it could happen anytime. You know, the deer the bucks were on their feet moving, looking for does, searching for does. Um, no as far as like is like I didn't want to, you know, the sun bother me or this or that like the main thing is when the sun come up you know you obviously knew the direction it was going to come up and then where it was going to set so like shade was a big factor in this too even on the cooler day like it's kind of like hunting elk in in wyoming montana colorado i caught dark timber but in the day that's where they're going to go you know they're going to go in them cedar you know pines whatever you want to call them they're going to get in that shade and that's what these deer did too and you could see the deer they would they would go from you know a sunny spot not saying they wouldn't stay in the sun but they they wanted to be in a shade whether it be a lone tree by itself or even a yucca plant you know yuccas were real thick out there you know tall plants and they would just stay in the shade even on a cooler day you would notice them you know really grasping towards shade so um that was my biggest thing like i when i glassed i really didn't focus on sunlit areas you know now that would switch and the deer would move around the different hillsides so when you're when you're glassing maybe in the morning you know and the sun's at, at this point you know um you know those deer are going to get up and move and even the bucks like i I noticed you know bucks and does but uh you know the bigger deer they would if the sun was rotating or going starting to set they would get up and move their whole body and get in the shaded spot like they didn't like to even when it was cool they didn't like to be directly in the sun so that i i use that as my advantage too as waste less time over here on the on the sunny side and focus more on the shady shaded side how much of a factor was the uh, was it hot down there in New Mexico? I mean, this time of the year here in uh, here in Missouri, it's it was it's frigid. Yeah, but, when we left here, it was cold. Yeah. Um, out there, you know, thirties to forties. Oh, some that's some a little cooler some, than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. some day, it, you know, just depending on the. There was a couple days I was fr- like I had everything I owned on just because oh, wow. the wind was yeah. whipping so hard and it was cutting through, you know. Um, and I would say that. You know, real feel that day was probably twenty, you know. But okay. there, but it would get up to fifty too. You know, mm-hmm. it's just and that's a thing out there mm-hmm. is layering. Whether you're on your hunt or where I was, you know, in the dry area versus mountains is layering. I mean, I, I've learned that hunting. Yeah. You know, 
is, is layer out there. Have have a bunch of light layers on and then go bulked up. I mean, I look like the Michelin man that one day. I mean, if I would have if I would have tripped on a rock, I'd have been at the bottom of the mountain and probably they probably would have never found me. Oh goodness. I mean, I I was, you know, I couldn't hardly move. Now, would they, would you say that those were like average temperatures out there for this time of year or I know there was an arctic blast that kind of hit, you know, the southern United States there of you know a couple weeks ago or whatever. Yep. So, I don't know if that was part of that or Well, from from what I gathered, and I looked on, you know, I like looking at, you know, past history of weather temps. Right. I, I'm going to say it was about the same. I mean, okay. typically yep. what it is. And I asked him before I went out, what do I need to prepare for? Like, are we, you know, do I need to come out in a T-shirt? Or, and there was days I felt like I needed a T-shirt, but I was wearing a long sleeve, yep. you know, thin shirt. Uh, but there was days, I mean, that one day that wind was whipping, I was bundled up like I'd been sitting in a tree stand all day, <laughs> you know, like – Almost a heater body suit, really. Yeah. That's what I looked like I was in. I had so many clothes on. Okay. So, well, uh, I mean, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I don't yeah. know if there was something that you know you felt like we didn't discuss that you wanted to bring up about your trip. Man, I I feel like we covered it really well. Just if you're thinking about going out there, you know, do your research. You know, there's websites out there to you know be very careful. You know, I mean, on units you hunt you know there's plenty of literature out there to read on things like i said websites what unit you're hunt how many points it takes is it over the counter like there's so many different variables in each state like go out there and do your homework before you plan a trip but don't be scared to go out there like i mean you know it's kind of you know overwhelming to, when you start that trip you know uh, okay what do i need and things like that so just you know from you know, we've been talking about out west trips and just being prepared and knowing what you're getting into, um, and, and the tag systems out there. And after you kill an animal, what what you know, what do you do with it? You know, how do you pack it out? You know, what can and can't you leave? You know, there's just so many aspects out there, um, you know, that we're not used to here in the Midwest. You know, mm -hmm. so being prepared at doing your homework, you know, prior to going out, I think that's one of the things that we didn't cover as well as we could have because my hunt was different than you know a deep you know do it yourself you know so mine was kind of just i'm going on a hunt going out there and i'm gonna have a good time you know and i'm gonna kill something but uh you know as far as going out and doing yourself hunts like i'm thinking about doing a colorado hunt and i know it's an over-the-counter i know the area but i find access points how to get in you know where's water you know am i gonna have to you know how well how much food do i need to pack you know all that type of thing and there's things out there and, and plenty of youtube videos and channels and you know all that stuff so just be prepared yeah and i think i think that brings up a good topic maybe we can discuss in, in future podcasts um, because we have so many Western trips planned for next fall that we may be right in the midst of it. We can start talking about what we're bringing out West yeah. to kind of yeah, absolutely. keep us That's good. going every you know, day. I'm, I'm always, uh, I don't, you know, people see me walking around, I always got a ton of stuff in my pockets, you know, always kind of got that um, Boy Scout mentality, you know, having two is having one, having one is having none, you know, that kind of thing, so... Yeah, I probably overpack for a lot of my trips, but yeah, it'll, that'll be a, a fun episode to get into some of the things that, you know, uh, we really feel like we need to have or things that, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't forget. For sure. For sure. Now, Luke, before we jump off here, man, I want you to throw in some plugs, you know, uh, whether it be social media or your real estate business, kind of let us know where we can find you. Shoot, I don't even know my plugs on social media. I know that sounds bad. I got an Instagram. I got a Facebook. So, no, I, 
work for Realtree United Country, Salt River Properties out of uh, Paris, Missouri. Um, that's our home office. I live in Perry, so uh, yeah. I mean, social media, look me up. I I'd have to look it up. Be honest with you, I don't even know. <laughs> I it, mean, is it Luke fair Mitchell. to suggest that maybe you can yeah you can search Luke Mitchell? Probably yeah, come up. You, you probably can. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but anyways, I ain't, I don't even have service. I ain't worried about it. just. Send me a message. I'll be around somewhere, I'm sure. Well, man, congratulations on your mule deer. Thanks again Thank for coming you. on. I'm so glad we got this. Yeah, appreciate you. Got this podcast. I've enjoyed it, fellas. It's been good. It's been yeah. fun. Well, folks, we will see you on the next one.